Welcome to the RSM Podcast Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about Rock Solid Ministries, our free revival service, printed materials, and devotionals, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. My guest today is Adam Lovett, preacher for the Watunga Christian Church in Watunga, Oklahoma. Adam and I met recently at a revival I was preaching in Canton, Oklahoma, and I saw our meeting as an opportunity to learn more about one of God's servants on the front lines. So today I'm sitting at the Watunga Christian Church with Adam in his office, and I'm just going to ask you, Adam, tell us your story. Well, Tom, I uh, my story... I was thinking about it after we spoke on the phone yesterday, and uh, I guess the way that I would put it is a uh, my life has been one that has been kind of a continual obedience in in the right direction. Right. You know, I uh, I have a lot of colleagues. You know, uh, I know you've spoke with Michael up at Canton, and um, you know I've known several others in in ministry um, that I went to college with, served with in different places who have some pretty dramatic uh, testimonies and dramatic uh, stories about how they were saved from a life of drugs and a life of crime and, um, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And, uh, yeah. you know, but the good Lord uh, kind of led me to his service uh, in a little bit different way. And uh, and so, you know, I grew up uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, um, on the western part there. Uh, went to school at a kind of on a school district that was right outside called Elkhorn, um, which was its own community. Now it's all annexed. It's all one big city now. But uh, I uh, grew up in the Christian church. Um, and uh, I, as I uh, like to joke with people, I had a drug problem, uh, as in my parents drug me to church every time the doors were open. And uh, I didn't really have much of a choice, but I don't ever really remembering uh, fighting against it much either. Right. Because church was a place where, um, you know, people were a lot more encouraging to me than, uh, you know, at school or other places that I would go. People were a lot more accepting and open and, and loving. You know, I had a great church uh, growing up, a great preacher, great youth ministers. Um, I attended the uh, Kingsway Christian Church there in Omaha, Nebraska, mm -hmm. um, under uh, Pastor David Haynes. Um, who, uh, I knew David Haynes. Do you really? Yeah. Years ago, he was in. Uh, I think he started a church in in Great Bend, Kansas. Was that is that the one I'm thinking? It, of? Uh, well, it might be it might be him or his son. Yeah. Okay, could have yeah. been his son. Yeah, I, I bet it was his son. Because yeah. uh, the David Haynes that, that I'm talking about, he's uh, he's in his 80s now, and so he's well okay. along. But uh, um, so I grew like I said, I grew up in that church, and uh, you know. Uh, when I was uh, born, I'll back up a little bit more here, but when I was born, I was born a 24-week uh, uh, preemie. And, um, and about two and a half years after my sister, who's born also has a, about the same um, week premature. Um, and so my mom tells a story, this is really more her testimony than mine, but it, it affects me, I guess, is that she was so, um, I guess frustrated, or, or you know, you can imagine going through that sure. second time in as many years. Um, that she, uh, she basically said, you know, Lord, He's yours. Whatever you'd have, 
him do, um, he's yours. And uh, kind of brought you to the temple and presented you, right? Basically, right yeah. You yeah. know the the story of, of uh, Samuel mm -hmm. uh, and Hannah really resonate with me. In fact, we we named my son Samuel for that very reason. Um, oh. And uh, so, at at any rate, um, so I'm in ministry. I'm blaming it on my mom. You know, like <laughs> everything else. You know, it's always mom's fault, right? But uh, in a good way. Um, but like I said, uh, I grew up in church, you know, and uh, and like every every kid that's grown grown up in church, you kind of take on your parents' faith. Um, but in a in a way, uh, you know, you always have to come to make that decision yourself. Yes. And uh, and so, like I say, my testimony was, you know, I kind of followed in my parents until it was, you know, evident that I had to make this decision for myself. I realized what personal sin was, and so. About the age uh, I was 12 is Easter Sunday, 1998, um, that I made the uh, decision to to follow the Lord, and I uh, was baptized. My dad baptized me, and uh, oh, that's nice. And yeah. uh, so I've gotten to uh, baptize one of my children. My son, he's 10, so I'm looking forward, uh, you know, to baptizing him as well. Uh, how How old were you when you were baptized? 12, 12 okay. years old. Yeah, good so, age. Yeah. yeah, that's about the age that I I kind of. Too too much younger than that. It, I kind of you know a case by case basis. Kids are ready when they're ready. But uh, that's true. Some kids are, are very ready, and I know this is early, but I, our oldest was baptized when she was seven. Yeah, and she it, and it stuck very well, and she's a wonderful Christian lady in her forties yeah. now, and and actually works with us. Yeah, well, that's and great. Runs our office. So, yeah, that's great. But but she was seeing baptisms. Almost on a daily basis, we're in new church work in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She and when she said she wanted to, I said, "All right, we've talked now. Talk to the youth minister. Yeah. I just want to get a different opinion." And and he said, "Oh, I I think she's she's ready. She's she's got this down." And and there are some that young that do, but I I'm with you. I, I think a little older is better in most cases. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My wife was baptized when she was eight. You know, and it obviously stuck with her too. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, at any rate, uh, I I need a little longer. So I was twelve when I was baptized, and um, you know, was active in church through high school. And you know, it didn't mean that I didn't rebel, kind of in my own way and in different ways. And and it certainly wasn't a wasn't a childhood that was uh, you know free of 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 any you know bad behavior or anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. but, but generally what you'd call quote unquote good, you know, right. Um, nothing ever really too bad. Uh, I think the good Lord just never made me popular enough to, uh, to make any real bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that, isn't that something so. that, that sometimes popularity and, and fame <clears throat> recently I interviewed, uh, uh, JD Miller mm -hmm. who, uh, wrote jingles like nationwide is on your side and things like that. And he talked about. Uh, how he had to to personally get rid of that uh, trophies or awards and things. He had to he had to really physically get rid of that because it would ruin his life as a Christian. Yeah. And and I think popularity in school can do the same thing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, but uh, so I ended up um, after high school. Um, you know, got to be my senior year, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, kind of went, you know, all kinds of different directions. And, uh, I finally, you know, I, I think the Lord had been kind of leading me to ministry. Um, 
in some fashion. I didn't know what that looked like. You know, he wasn't exactly clear on exactly what ministry, but he'd been leading me to some ministry, and uh, it just so happened. I'd mentioned David Haynes earlier. He was uh, my preacher growing up. Um, was always a great encourager to me. Um, I really loved him as as my as my pastor, and uh, he did a lot for our family. Um, you know, he was the one that came to the house when my sister and I both wanted to be, you know, baptized, spoke with us. And so uh, David had announced that uh, he was going to be leaving in the fall. This is my senior year, right, 2004. So he was going to be leaving that fall, um, stepping uh, away from the ministry full time and going to be a uh, teaching uh, the next generation of preachers at Nebraska Christian College. Up in Which North is right, Nebraska. right there. Yeah, yeah, about two hours away from where I lived. Right. And at and that point, it was, you know, um, that. And then, uh, you know, there was a couple other uh, girls from my uh, youth group that were also going that were my age. And so I would know some people there. And uh, some kids also from, uh, from my church who had gone a couple years previous. So I, I knew people there, uh, you know. And, and it's amazing because I got to got there in the fall and I ended up knowing some more people that I didn't even know were there. So, uh, that I had known from other things and, and, uh, my parents knew, uh, in different, different places. So it was just kind of like a, a light bulb click, you know, when I, about March of my senior year. And, and so I started, uh, uh started a Bible college and, uh, so you the, still didn't know you were going to preach at that time. I, I didn't necessarily know I was going to preach, but I knew I wanted to, I wanted to, to follow David Haynes, you know, because right. he was, you know, uh, and he was the chair of that department. So I went into pastoral ministry, and uh, I ended up, uh, you know, majoring in that to start with. And I kind of thought different programs here and there, and I, I thought about, you know, even there's times where I was thinking of doing something else entirely, um, but uh, just kind of stuck with it and uh, developed some great friendships along the way. Um, loved it so much, I took a, I took a whole two extra years to get through college. Um, and that's, that's how I'll put it, because I loved it, not because I wasn't a great student, which is <laughs> really the case. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I ended up, uh, did end up getting a degree and graduating and uh, was ordained into the ministry in 2009. And, uh, yeah. so, uh, I met my wife there, uh, Elisa, she, uh, started the same year I did. She was a year, uh, ahead of me in school, uh, but she took a gap year to work. And then, so we ended up incoming the same time. And where was she from? She was from her, her father was a minister in Broomfield, Colorado, uh, what which was, is, what was her name again? Elisa Spielman. Spielman. I was yep. trying to think if I so, might've known her father. So yeah, there. Jeff Spielman's her dad, and yeah. uh, he now preaches at uh, a church in Versailles, Missouri. Okay. Um, and so he, uh, she came from a ministry family, had done uh, mission work in Russia. Their family moved over there for uh, nine months in in uh, uh, I can't remember the exact name of the town, but up in Siberia is essentially where it was. And wow. so, uh, you know, she doesn't complain about the cold like I do. Uh, <laughs> And it's um, been cold this week. It, it has been, yeah. yeah. So uh, we ended up, uh, started, we started dating, uh, I remember it was October 10th, 2004. I remember that because it was a family birthday, is October 10th. So 
and we ended up getting married in June of 2006. And uh, so we got married young, and uh, it, it stuck. We've been together for, <laughs> what is it now, 17, 18 years almost. So, yeah. um, But uh, we, uh, uh, so at any rate, uh, back, uh, where was I? So after graduation in right. 2010, um, my daughter, she was six months old. Uh, we'd had her um, that winter right before I graduated. And my last year, I had just a very few, like two or three classes that I had just to complete my degree. And so we were both working full time and uh, ended up taking a, an associate position out in Wyoming. And so we moved out there to the eastern side, eastern slope of Wyoming, uh, a little town called Wheatland. I know where that is. Do you? Yep. Well, I, the I old saw revivals that, at Riverton. Yes, I saw that you're in Riverton. I was going to maybe ask you about who uh, was preaching up there because um, uh, Scott Muller. Scott Muller okay. from uh, Eastern Colorado. Okay. Uh, yeah. Retired from his job with the <clears throat> highway department and okay. uh, started taking classes at Summit. And, oh yeah. And, so, uh, uh, a lot of great. He's been there three Summit. or four years now yeah. and doing really, really well. Good. At Riverton. Good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Great guy. Um, the small world of, of the Christian churches there in Riverton, uh, David Haynes, David or Davy would be David Haynes' son, was minister there for a, a time while I was out there as well. Really? So yeah. Yeah, crazy small world. I know several people at that church um, that we did camp together with up at uh, Western Wyoming Christian uh, Youth Camp. There are some some uh, couples there, I think, that have been very active in, in camp. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael uh, Grigsby mm -hmm. from uh, where I'm at this week camp. camp. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. to think about where we're on the revival yeah. this week. Uh, he's he mentioned one of the couples there. He's done revivals with when he was in Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, that's actually where I met Mike Grigsby, was oh, up there okay. in, uh, at uh, his, uh, he came in 2015, which uh, was, would have been the last year that I actually went to camp. So we met there and, and kind of hit it off, and, um, and it was just, you know, God's providence that he ended up just about 20 miles away from me down here after I'd moved in 2016. He came about four years later. Super guy. Uh, super guy, yeah. yeah. Uh, we... We uh, play golf together quite a bit, and uh, it's been it's been real good to have him close. I think for for I know for me, I hope for him as well. <laughs> well we we really look forward. Well, we look forward to being at the Canton Church because mm -hmm. we just uh, we love the people, and they've been so good to us. Yeah. But uh, Michael, particularly, we, we we enjoy being with him and and sharing time. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a great testimony, great family. Yeah, uh, I you know. I might mention I, I recently did an interview with his wife, and and uh, I couldn't think of what podcast number uh, Mike Grigsby's oh, number yeah. was, but it was number one two six yeah. one twenty six. If our listeners want to go back and listen to it, it's a good testimony. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote it down today. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah very good. So uh, kind of back to to my story. Um, we uh, served in Wyoming for six years, so. We, uh, and as associate, what was as, your what were your main so, responsibilities? Uh, it was it was kind of a uh, it was a I was hired the the gentleman who was there preaching. He uh, he was getting a little bit on in years, and he wanted to find somebody to replace him, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went up and 
um, for whatever you know for whatever reason it just it just didn't work right you it know happens. it uh, you know and I don't want to speak you know ill of anybody or anything it just just one of those things just didn't didn't work out and, and um, kind of some things happened and he was kind of forced to retire and and uh, mm. and so it got to a point where I said I think for this church to, to grow and to move on I'm just gonna have to move on and uh, so kind of like Gideon I laid out a fleece and I said Lord if this your will I'm gonna send out some resumes and and if it's your will then something will come back right and uh, you know uh, showing I guess maybe a little immaturity in my faith to test the Lord like that but that's just kind of how it went and uh, I ended up getting a phone call from one of my elders here a guy by the name of Todd Lafferty and uh, we spoke and um, I was uh, talking with him and another church over in actually in uh, Louisiana um, right. and had some contact with some others um, well but, that would have been uh, warm for you yes yeah that would have been yeah real muggy though I think in the summertime oh I, very know, much. I like Oklahoma it's it's very better than we live in South Arkansas yeah. for a while yeah right? very muggy yeah, yeah. so uh, beautiful country though I'm sure absolutely um, but uh, we uh, so we had a uh, another phone interview and then we came down and visited and it just seemed like everything you know like the Lord just kind of established all my steps in the whole process um, even in even in some crazy things that you know I didn't even think about like we owned our house up there and so I'm gonna have to sell it for moving down here so my neighbor, who uh, was a retired military uh, veteran uh, who moved there from Florida, was renting the house next door and uh, got to know uh, the, ba the Baez family, uh, uh, Roland and Dixie, and uh, Roland had a heart attack. Uh, he wasn't a, wasn't a church member or anything like that, but I said, you know, he's my neighbor. I'm going to go see him in the hospital. Uh, so I went down and we spoke and, and uh, told him, yeah, we're, we're going to be moving to Oklahoma and and he said, I want to buy your house. <laughs> he wow. said, I want to buy your house. Please don't sell it to anybody. I want to buy your house. And uh, it was <laughs> just, just you know, just God's timing, you know, just because I had gone down and, and spoke with him, prayed with him, and, you know, he ended up buying my house and uh, saved us a ton on closing costs and we didn't have to hassle with listing it or anything like that. And it was just, you know, just things like that that God just further confirmed like this is where I want you and uh, and so we uh, we moved to uh, moved down here and we've been here over seven years now and uh, we uh, our kids have basically grown up here my son was almost three when we moved and my daughter was uh, just turned six so she's been here from first grade on and he's had his entire schooling here he's got friends that he made when he was four years old that he's still friends with and so you know that's, Lord, that's wonderful a lot of preachers yeah. don't kids don't get that I know and uh, and so Lord willing you know he's in charge you know if he calls me or the you know or it happens that the church doesn't want my services anymore we'll move but right uh, we I want to be long term Right. You know, I want to be a, a you know, I want to be long-term minister here, and I want my kids to, to have a childhood that's stable and not uprooted and, and moved around. And you know, my wife, she, uh, she unfortunately she had to move a few times in her childhood, and, and so she's very sensitive to that, and she knows, you know, she said, I don't, you know, I don't want to do that to my kids. My daughters are the same yeah. way. Yeah, because I, I was, 
not, I was not your pastoral type preacher. Mm -hmm. I was an evangelist. Yes. And evangelists get in trouble a lot faster. <laughs> Don't spit your coffee on that. <laughs> but we do. Because, uh, you, you know, I, I've always joked that a pastoral minister will, will sit down with, with people and they'll say, now, let, let, let's look at this this way and let's look at it that way. An evangelist sits down and says, this is heaven, this is hell. Pick one. I'm moving on. <laughs> it's just a lot of trouble. So we, we move around a little bit more. Yeah, they, don't, uh, they don't tactfully uh, highlight, tactful. highlight sin. You know. That's right. It's, uh, uh, oh, <laughs> and both that. my girls are in ministry with their husbands. So. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny, you know, how God is. You know, he's got, I think he's got a sense of humor. He has to have a sense of humor. Sure. But my wife, she said, I'll never marry somebody in ministry. <laughs> and uh, you know, and I, I said, and this is really petty, but I grew up in Nebraska, big Nebraska football fan, huge rivalry with the University of Colorado. I said, I'm never going to marry anybody from Colorado. <laughs> well, look where we are, and uh, never say never with God. Never say never. Yep. 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 I should be more tactful. Say, Lord, I, I never want to. I never want to inherit a bunch of money from a long lost relative I didn't know about, right? You know. Yeah, and and, and, and you see how God's sense of humor gives you a lot of money from a long right, yes. relative. Yeah, yeah that, that never seemed to happen to me either. I, I guess that's something I might ought to try. Uh, well, tell, tell us about, uh, we'll get back to your personal life in, in a minute, but uh, tell us about your, uh, about Watunga, because, you know, our listeners, we have listeners from all around the world. Yeah. So describe Wintungo, where it's at in the state of Oklahoma, USA. So we are, um, if you're familiar with the state at all, Wintungo is in kind of what we call, maybe you would you'd call it the, the gateway to northwest Oklahoma. We're kind of the edge, we're kind of the beginnings of northwest Oklahoma uh, out here in, in a, uh, Blaine County. Uh, we are the county seat, uh, which sounds impressive, but it's a pretty sparsely populated county. So we we have about, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 people that live here in right. Watonga. It's a pretty small community, um, pretty small, uh, sparsely populated, you know, part of the world out here. So uh, mostly agricultural. Uh, we uh, probably the biggest, uh, the two biggest employers would be our, our local uh, grain elevator, which uh, yeah. is fairly large. This is the case in a lot of towns out in yeah. this area. And then sure. probably also the school system would mm -hmm. be the second. Um, mm -hmm. We, uh, we've uh, got some things uh, in, uh, you know, trying to get going in, in the as far as the city goes um, and uh, to try to get some more businesses and get some more, maybe some manufacturing type things here, which is really what we need, you know, to kind of boost ourselves a little right. bit. Um, but uh, for right now, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit, uh, I guess you'd call it a, uh, like a, like a typical small town in America. A lot of them are, are kind of on the downhill and uh, they're, they're uh, not necessarily dying, but it's, uh, they just need some rejuvenation because mm -hmm. what, what we used to rely on, we can't rely on anymore because everything's gotten so much smaller, you know. Right. Implement dealers have consolidated and, right. and car dealerships have been consolidated and, you know, and everything else. And, and so we, we got to find some new ways, but, uh, I think the future is bright. Yeah. Um, you know, I I, I want to think that way, and I think that there are people who want to who want to see a positive change here. So, it's a pleasant community and and, a, and yes. pretty neighborhoods. And yeah. uh, we've it's been a while since I've been here, mm -hmm. but 
probably eight years ago, nine years ago, when we did our first revival in Canton, because mm -hmm. there's no place to stay there. Yes. Uh, unless you're going to stay in a fishing shack out on a, on a lake, which is a beautiful lake. Right. Uh, and a lot of times those are taken. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, we stayed at what Beth and I call a mom and pop oh, yeah. motel here in town. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't remember the name, but it was very yep. nice. The people were so yep. helpful. But uh, then there's also a state park nearby we've stayed at, and yep. we're staying in Fairview, Oklahoma, this week on the okay. other side. Yeah, of yeah, the, the, Canton. yeah. Uh, that would be the uh, the Woodruff family that owns the local motel here. Okay, and uh, 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 April and Al and or excuse me, uh, Anita and Alvin, who who you probably dealt with back then. That's mom and dad. They um, they're uh, strong Church of Christ folks. Mm -hmm. And uh, but their daughter April and her husband Josh they they come here, you know they're they're uh, one of my church people and uh, great family, um, great family, absolutely. Well, it great was family. just it, we were so impressed that there, there was no desk in the room. Again, mm -hmm. it was like we called a mom and pop type place, mm -hmm. and I asked them would they have a little table or something I could use, and they right away went and got got one of these, what I call a Sam's Club table, mm -hmm. brought in, set it up. For, I said, well, I'll take it. No, no, no. And they brought it in, set it up. And and just never were treated so well. I mean, yeah. just just wonderful place to yeah. be. And, uh, and, and so I was driving in town today and thinking, uh, again, what a nice community this is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's great people. Yeah. Great family. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. They've, uh, they've, they help out, uh, me and the and the other ministers with with things quite a bit uh, over there. Um, you know, if we have somebody that needs a place to stay or somebody that's kind of, um, you know, we've had uh, people that you know like a domestic uh, situation. You know, right? Uh, and they're 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 so willing to to help us out. But that's small and town that's too. Great. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, people in small yeah. towns are, are just more. I just I enjoy small towns and. Yeah. And most of our ministry, we do some large cities and revivals, mm -hmm. and and uh, we do some larger <laughs> churches, but uh, a great deal of our work is done in small communities. Yeah. And being a free ministry, uh, sometimes the smaller churches, they it's it's very helpful to them, and they can take that money and use it to bring in a, a worship team or a, a quartet if that's the yeah. kind of music they like, mm -hmm. or whatever, and and uh, or someone to keep the nursery. And they don't have to worry about paying us, right. and that's fine with us. And so we feel like we're we we don't we're not pointed to those type of communities, but that's where we end up a lot. And we don't we're not upset about that in the least. Yeah, As we're able to do some things that maybe others uh, couldn't do, wouldn't do, or, or, or maybe they couldn't afford to do. And and so we we like that. So yeah. tell us about your your congregation here, Watunga Christian Church. So uh, our congregation, it's, uh, you know, it's really in the last seven years has kind of been, uh, it's shifted. You, it, I've done, I counted them up the other day. I've done, since I've been here in the last seven years, I've averaged about one a month funerals that I've done. Wow. Yeah, I, I've done a lot. Uh, Seven not something years? that I really set out to do a lot of, but I've done I've done about seventy funerals since I've been here in the last seven years. So, a lot of those were church church members, uh, and a lot of them were not. A lot of them were you know community sure. or on the you know on the fringe uh, as you would. But, um, and so, 
our, our dynamic has it shifted a lot of the like kind of some of the key people that were you know really involved in the life of the church or have gone to be with the Lord and uh, and so lately we've uh, we've kind of had you know God has has led some younger families with kids you know into our doors and, uh, and so things are things are shifting and things are, are evolving and and I, I the best way that I've heard the local church described is that it's a living organism mm-hmm. and so living organisms they change you know and uh, and so I, I think that it's been it's been a good thing you know through COVID our numbers um, we, we had a bit of a dip um, but it's we've had fairly consistent numbers week to week which to me is encouraging Yes. Um, even if it's a little lower than what maybe some of the peaks are when, you know, things were, because when I got here, uh, it was be kind of yo-yo, you know, with our attendance and go up and then down and then up. And we kind of hit a, hit a median where we stay within, you know, our, our church attendance, which I think is, is the nature of, you know, a couple of things. One, my tenure here, and then the mm-hmm. nature of how church attendance is post COVID. Right. Um, and I think again, with COVID, I think it, it, was a blessing in disguise for the church, the American church, especially because I think a lot of, um, I just put it this way. A lot of people who were just coming to church cause that's what they do. Right. Uh, they don't come anymore. And, uh, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, because, uh, what you have now, I think is what, what you might call a remnant of, of, of committed believers. Right. People who were serious there, uh, about there was word. a sifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had said for yeah, years there's going to be a sifting, it. and I think COVID was a big part of that. Yeah. And and um, we've said on this program many times, it was late 2020 when stats came out, I think, that one-third of the people who had been attending church yeah. uh, were no longer attending church mm-hmm. in person or even online. Right. Which said a lot about commitment and a, uh-huh. a I think it was a it was a, a, a Chinese Christian visiting this country years ago that said that he was so amazed after being spending time here at what the American church had accomplished without the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> a lot of it's just people you know going to church and doing business as usual. You know, and yeah. and, and uh, yeah. So that and and I think tenure, you're you're correct about that. Uh, I, I know years ago they used to say seven years in is where you can really hit your stride as a preacher and you've been here seven years and yeah. you're seeing the stability and that says a lot for yeah. the for the pastoral minister yeah right <laughs> uh, the, the evangelist who gets things rolling and then he, he better get rolling too yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and let someone yeah. else come in who can who can stabilize and and uh, and, and I've always been uh, leery uh, because I've, I've never seen it end well. Of, yeah. of churches that spike, you right. know what I mean? You know, it's that spike, you know, go from 50 to 200 in the span of six months. Right. And we look at them and go, oh my gosh, how do you do that? Right. Well, in, a, in another year or something, you know, usually the minister has an epic flame out, you know, some right. of, of, you know, biblical proportion, you know, right. ends up with an affair or stealing or, or something. And then all of a sudden the church is down to 30. Right. Uh, in a matter of weeks, um, because when you have that spike, you know, you don't build that true discipleship and that commitment. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm reminding my people all the time, you know, check what I, you know, I, I tell them, check what I say against the Bible. 
because if I'm wrong, I want you to tell me. Uh, number two, uh, I'm just a sinner just like you. Uh, there's nothing special about me. God's just called me to, to teach and to preach and to, and to be a shepherd. Uh, just like any of the elders or, you know, of the church or deacons, and, you know, it's, he's called me to serve in this way. And, uh, and I tell them, you know, the ministry, if I rem removed from this place, the ministry will continue. This is not mine. This is God's ministry. You know, and he's the one that brings the increase. He's the one that right. he, his Holy Spirit is that which convicts us of sin. You know, and, I, and so I tell people all the, you know, all the time, I said, if I can talk you into getting baptized, then that only goes so far. You right. know, I mean, it'll get done, but that's not really conviction. You know, the Holy Spirit needs to convict. And so my prayer and my constant prayer is, is that God would, I would leave room for the Holy Spirit to do his job. I got and, to a point in, in my ministry because I'm, I'm one as an evangelist, I'm one who can stand with people and usually share the gospel and bring them to a decision. Mm -hmm. And I, at some point in, in my ministry, I began, when someone made a decision, I began, before we took them to baptize them, I'd say, now let's stop. You've made this decision, but let's make sure you're not making it because Tom Weaver is sitting here talking yeah. with you. I, let's I, back up and let's make sure that you understand what repentance is. Right. That yeah. you're not just saying that because repentance is a big deal. Yeah. And and uh, without repentance, I baptize you. You're just wet. You know. Yes. You're, you're not saved. You're wet. Yeah. And so I got uh, I I leaned to the overly cautious because I wanted to make sure uh, because my gift ha was evangelism. Now mm -hmm. and I've had to transition from being an evangelist to being a revivalist. Yeah. And there is a difference. <clears throat> yeah, and, absolutely. And again, what gets to the whole thing, it is harder to raise the dead than to give birth. <laughs> and but I've had I've I just realized that's where I'm at and where God's put me in, in my life. But it is so important that when someone makes the decision, I don't say put them off. No. Biblically, no. No, when no. they're ready, we baptize them. Yes. That's that's what the Bible says. Same yeah. hour of the night, whatever. Yeah. But let's let's make sure that you totally understand what you're doing this is a yeah. lifetime commitment. Yeah, and, yeah. and Jesus uh, is Lord now. Yeah, He you is don't live Lord. For yourself. And let's yeah. make sure that that is correct. And I think mm -hmm. that is so important. And I, I believe that that uh, in um, among our congregations, we have gotten very good about explaining baptism, and probably because, in fact, I would say yes, because uh, that is something that so many other uh, churches don't point out is in scripture and, yeah. but in in doing that we've kind of skimmed over the repentance yeah and to me repentance is a whole lot harder than baptism yeah because yep. uh if someone says well i repent and you get to and ask them what are you ready to what what why are you waiting yeah Acts twenty two sixteen. get mm -hmm. up and get baptized and they say well yeah. uh Here's my mother wasn't baptized or this or that yes. then the problem isn't baptism with this person. The problem is repentance. Yeah. Because if you repent, you're going to do what God tells you to do. <clears throat> yeah. So let's forget. We're not even going to discuss baptism now. Let's go back and discuss repentance. Yeah. Because apparently you didn't quite understand that. You know. So yeah, and, and, I, and I've had that that argument. Um, I, I spoke about uh, here. I, I just did a series on baptism here a couple months ago, and uh, I talked about a lady that I had. Uh, up in Wyoming, she grew up in the Lutheran Church. She's extremely um, 
dedicated. Her her husband, uh, he was one of our deacons. A great godly family. She's since gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, but she had this hang-up about being baptized. And it was exactly like you said. You know, she said, I feel like if I get baptized, I'm condemning my mom and dad to hell. I feel like I'm condemning my family members, my cousins and my brothers and sisters and you know, everybody who grew up and who were who loved the Lord, who who were committed to the church were, you know, and I would say they were just they were misinformed by their preacher. You know, right. they were they and and, you know, again, you know, like Hebrews 13 and James, you know, right. we're going to be held to account for what we teach. So we better right. make sure Absolutely. we suss it out and make it make it right. But but she had that that she said, if I, if I accept this and if I if I do obey then I'm condemning them. And I said, mm-hmm. I said, our God's a God of grace. Right. I said, I think each will be convicted based, you know, God will, God will judge based on what they know and what they were taught. And if they were taught wrong, how could they be, you know, held to account because they were taught wrong? I said, God's convicted you. He doesn't convict you for anybody else. And, right. uh, so finally, she, and it was after I announced that I was leaving, I think that was maybe the, the jolt that she, she needed to say, okay. And she came into my office and we talked and, and she said, you know, she said, I'm just tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting God. I know what I need to do and I just, I need to do it. And I said, that's, that's it. We see That's it right there. This, this is the thing that my decision does not condemn my relatives. No. God uh, I believe the Bible is what the Bible is, and it's yep. what it says, it says, it means. Yep. And uh, if God has uh, a plan for those who didn't know, then that's between God and, and them. But I, and I'm, I'm not here to judge my relatives Absolutely. who came before me. Yeah. I'm here to do what God told me to do. And someone says, well, do you think, Tom, that someone who has not uh, repented or someone who has not been baptized... Uh, that they could be saved, and all I can do is say, "Well, now the Bible says." Yeah. And that's my answer. And they say, "But you're saying," I said, "No, I'm not saying the Bible yeah. says." <laughs> if God has a different way, then that's between God and them. But God yeah. did not tell me He had a different way. Yeah. But you know, interestingly, this very same thing, this very same scenario you just gave me, happened in Riverton, Wyoming this year. Is that right? And yeah. and and it was an amazing, amazing morning that. Uh, they announced she was getting, they got the word out. She decided she's getting baptized this morning. Everybody showed up. I think it was Wednesday morning. Yeah. And uh, the church was full of people coming. Yeah. Amen. And she wrote yeah. us the nicest letter, one of the nicest letters I've ever received from someone who said that, that just thanked us for holding true to what the Bible said. Yeah. And uh, I have relatives who are denominational preachers from years ago and were very strong on sprinkling. Yeah. And and uh I don't I can't condemn them, but I can say that's not what the Bible says. Exactly. And, and I yeah. have no right to tell anybody anything but what the Bible says. Right. Yeah. And I said I I, I say it's it's the wrong framework. You're asking the wrong question. <clears throat> right. It's the same as the question, what's the you know, what's the line that I can go to but not cross over or otherwise I go to hell. So right. well, that's not the question you need to ask. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is, how can I best follow God's instruction? Right. And best follow God's word and apply it to my life. And it's and, and our, our 
what we're to do is give glory to God. Yes. And and, and not say, how little can I do to get by and get yeah. into heaven by the skin of my teeth? Yeah, no, that's not, it's not a transactional relationship. No, yeah, no, we don't. We're not signing a contract here. Yeah. This is this is God's son died for you. I love God for sending His Son because uh, you know would I want to let my son go die for people who didn't care about me or or him? Yeah. But God did. I accept that, and I want to follow Him. And, and yeah. maybe I'll, I'll take a moment at this point in the podcast to say. To our listeners, wherever you're at in the world, if you're interested in this and you need to know more and you can't find somebody who can help you with this, contact us through our website at rocksolidministries.org. We'll do everything we can to help you uh, to, to in this whole process of following Christ and becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let, let me jump to something else. I'm just very curious here. I see a, a firefighter... Uh, <laughs> uh, helmet sitting here on your desk, or you work with the volunteer fire department? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I guess if I had one vice, that might be it. Um, <laughs> and that whole story, how that came about, is is rather uh, interesting. Um, I've always felt, uh, I felt, I guess, I guess I shouldn't say always, but I did feel kind of a call towards a chaplaincy type, um, you know, uh, ministry and. Uh, if there is anything that would take me away from from preaching, it would be either one for me to become a, a, a therapist and and Christian counseling with people to help, uh, and number two uh, would be if I could do chaplaincy in some way. Um, it's just uh, something that God's kind of blessed me with, and and especially in with uh, you know with. Uh, uh, you know, issues with, with post-traumatic stress uh, incidents and things like that where, you know, people, you know, he's just given me, an, uh, you know, an ability to help and, and just kind of through his grace, I've been able to attend the right trainings and things to really help people with that. So, uh, but the story of how I became a volunteer firefighter is rather interesting. As a, of a, a young man, when we first moved to Wyoming, we uh, rented an apartment uh, for a couple of months uh, before we uh, found a house to rent. And uh, this uh, gentleman came by, um, you know, he was about seven, six, seven years younger than I was. Uh, he was maybe about, I don't know, 19 or so. Didn't start our, uh, install our cable. And he started talking about the volunteer fire department. And uh, he, he said, you ought to join. And I said, well, I never really thought about that, but that sounds like that might be something that's fun and, you know, you know, get to drive around in a big truck and honk <laughs> the horn and, you know. What, get to what, do, what uh, boy doesn't want to do that? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, and uh, so I, I went and I applied and it was about six months later that I, I got on the volunteer department up there and it was, I remember one of the older older gentlemen that, in the firehouse uh, when I was getting my initial gear and they were showing me around and getting checked out. He said, you'll find out real quick if this is for you or if it's not. He said, if it's for you, it'll get in your blood and you'll get, you'll become addicted to it and it'll be, it'll be for you. And it did. <laughs> and so I've really enjoyed uh, not just the, the aspect of, of community service. Um, you know, God, I mean, God is just, it's amazing what he has in store that you don't even think of. Um, you know, like I said, being able to counsel, you know, firefighters in times of need. Um, I've kind of gotten to know, be known uh, here, um, you know, so when we moved down here, uh, I got on the fire department here as well. Um, 
and uh, the uh, it's just kind of become like I said I've become known kind of around the county the fire chiefs will call me if they have somebody that needs that needs help and uh, Michael Grigsby uh, up in Canton, he's now on. He's now on their department, and yeah. I told him. I said, "I'm going to start sharing some of this with you." So, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's it's been rewarding in a lot of ways. Um, just last week, we did our fire prevention program at the elementary school, and you know that's always a fun time to go and be able to interact with the kids. And it also um, gets you in the community and lets you be known as a preacher of of this church. Yes, and yep. opens the door for evangelism and yep. and. Uh, and I've always said, uh, you know, when you're, you know, uh, it hasn't led to a ton of uh, church growth necessarily. Although there are there are some families in this church that I think knew me as a firefighter before they knew me as as a preacher. Really, right. I mean, they knew I was a preacher, but um, I had that relationship that you know first, and uh, uh, but they. Uh, <clears throat> I've always said that there's nothing quite like having a uh, being there when the rubber meets the road, you know, and somebody's in a situation and you can you can help them and you can show them, you know, you can help them uh, with whatever that issue is and, and it, it just opens such a door to to just love on them and to uh, be able to uh, to tie in, you know, even even with guys that are, you know, like, oh, I'm not a Christian. I don't, you know, I don't do any of that. You can still, I mean, it still opens the door to say, look, this is how God designed us, and this is why this is happening, and and you, you can you can you can give hints in there, and you can right. uh, you can you can uh, kind of evangelize, I guess, without really. Uh, Overtly doing it, I guess right. you could say, not to be, not that you're being sneaky, but uh, you know, just by conversations and ministering to people. Well, you have so. that. Uh, uh, you talking about counseling and mm -hmm. and chaplaincy? Uh, I'll say, Adam, you have that ease about you. That uh, seen here in your office, I feel very comfortable with you. Like uh, it, it, I would be comfortable coming in and sitting and saying, "Now, this is a, a burden I have," and and uh, but I hope if if God ever leads you into that. That you'll keep Sundays open for preaching. Yes, <laughs> because we need preachers so bad. I don't. Uh, I don't. That, uh, that, I don't that, want to give it that. No, I, I wouldn't walk away completely you know, if, for if, sure. Uh, if that happens, yes. that you'll, you'll you'll realize how badly there's going to be a church near you that needs a preacher, yeah. uh, even if they can't afford one. They'll take yeah. us. Uh, uh, they'll take one on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, and that's what I start. You know, I started out doing that in college, a couple years, and uh, some great, great memories, great people. You know, preaching to to you know six or eight people in a church on on a Sunday morning, um, yep. but uh, great place to cut your teeth in ministry. Great place for it somebody is. to you know. And you know the, these small congregations like this, um, they need they need somebody, they need someone to share with them, help them to grow. We uh, uh, I have a small congregation like that that I fill in for five to twelve times a year when I'm home. Yeah. And uh, of course, do other filling in as well. And uh, we've done revivals for churches that were 15, 10, and under. Yeah. And someone said, Why would you go there? They ought to just close their doors and die. But you know, out of these revivals, we've seen people baptized into Christ. Yeah. We've seen people grow, and we've seen young men say, I'm going to be a preacher. And, and that young man, 
one of those young men may bring thousands to Christ someday. Yeah. You, you never know. And so we, we need to minister to uh, the, these people are giving it everything they've got, sometimes in a very small location, but they're doing the very best they can. Yeah, absolutely. And we need to give them all the help we can. And, and it's great to go to a church of 100, 200, or 400, and we do that as well. Yeah. But these people, they, everybody, everybody needs, every, I, I'm fond of saying everybody needs a hug. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a spiritual hug yeah, everybody that we can Jesus. give them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, Tom, I would, I would imagine you would say that if it's just for the one, it's worth it. It is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And uh, the more I get, you know, I would love to change the world in a dynamic way in, in great crusades. And if we wanted to, we have the resource and ability to put together great crusades. But then what would happen to the churches in the small towns yeah. that are plugging away and they're reaching out to one person that nobody else is going to reach if we can't go and help encourage those people. Yeah. And and someone out of that small town may reach, again, hundreds of thousands of people for Jesus someday. Yeah. Or they may reach one person who no one else will touch. Yeah. And so we, we, we need to reach out and do what we can. Well, when you uh, read through the New Testament, or when I do anyway, through the book of Acts, and you see the dynamic church growth, and you see the dynamic uh, you know movement of the Holy Spirit, and then it almost seems like, especially when you look at the, the Jerusalem church, when they, when they get to this size, they're scattered. God yeah. scatters them. That's right. And, and I, I just wonder, <clears throat> and, and, I don't, and I'm not going to make an opinion on this one way or the other for the <laughs> Internet to hear uh, and, you know, crucify me over. But I wonder if it, if it almost isn't more in God's design that we would be smaller assemblies rather than larger. I really believe, Adam, and this is just my, what I see as mm -hmm. after almost five decades of preaching, that, uh, and, and I, I think there's a place for the mega church. I, I yes. think there is. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not, not against that. I've seen some, some mega churches that are very solid biblically and they're doing great things. I, I know of one, if you can believe, a Christian church mega church in New England mm -hmm. that has about 12, 14 campuses, but they, they are making exit plans so each of these campuses will become their own churches. I like that model. And, and, and yeah. so that they're, actually what they're doing is they're planting churches, yeah. but they're keeping them under their leadership That's long so enough to make sure they're yeah. solid. That, that seems to be a trend. Yeah. That's a good, and I like that. But trend. I think the trend I see is is to churches of 300 and under. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I'm not saying they're more effective, but I'm saying I I think there's there's definitely the pattern in the New Testament with that, yeah. And and I think that's a that that is not a bad thing. Right. That is not a bad thing. So yeah. Uh, do you, uh, we got a few minutes left? Let okay. me ask you, uh, mm -hmm. how many years now have you been in ministry? That I I can't add it up quick enough so, after full, our discussion. Full time ministry has been 13, but I you know two years in of uh, supply preaching. Right. So I, I say 15 years. Well, things have changed quickly. Uh, I mean, in the last few years, yeah. things in the in the world and the church have changed so quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> what would you say, in, in in your opinion, what do you see as the greatest challenge ahead for us as preachers, congregations, or individual Christians uh, going going forward from today? So I I had a conversation. Our uh, 
previous Nazarene preacher who uh, he, he moved to, to Guyman. Um, he said, God led him there. And I said, well, God would definitely have to lead if you're moving to Guyman. But uh, shout out to Case and Oaks out there if you ever. Guyman's right out there on, in the panhandle yes. on the yeah. Kansas line. I don't, I don't believe in purgatory, but if, if it exists, the entrance is somewhere around Guyman, I think. But, uh, <laughs> um, but we were having this conversation uh, a year or so or two ago before he left. And he said he had been here a bit longer than me in Watonga, and he said, you know, when I started, the church doors open, people showed up. He says it's just not the case anymore. And so, I, you know, in our community, that dem that that attitude has shifted. Um, and I and I have to think that culturally, you know, through the United States, it's shifted as well. I think the more that we see with um, the rise of of this post. Uh, postmodern thought, mm -hmm. which it's really even past that now because it's, it, people don't talk about that anymore. It's just accepted that there is no truth in our culture today, that you can, you can make up your own rules, you can be whatever you want to be, you can, you, know, you can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself, um, you know, and you know, not, not to get too much in the weeds on that, but that's our culture. Mm -hmm. That is completely contrary to, to Christianity. Christianity says there is an absolute truth. Right. The absolute truth is found in God's word and through God, God himself. And I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest hurdle is that we have an entire culture. We have gen and now probably onto the second generation or third that has redefined what truth is. Mm -hmm. And so I think probably whenever you started out in ministry, you could go and you could say the Bible says, and most everybody would say, Okay, that well, is that's absolutely the truth. The truth. But yeah. now you almost have to you have to make a case for an absolute truth in order for that. And and again, you know, not that we're convincing people, the Holy Spirit again convicts. Um, but I believe that we're just seeing um, a cultural shift. And I and I'm going to say something that 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 I don't, I'm you know maybe some wouldn't agree with, but. I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing because I believe for true Christianity to thrive in America, this cultural Christianity where we blended the two has to die. Yes. And I, and I believe that in its, in its wake, uh, when cultural Christianity, which is now on the way out, if it's not already all the way out, um, we are, we're going to see the rise of true Christian men and women that can really make an impact and make a kingdom impact. You know, I read through, um, you know, the book of first and second Peter. And, uh, and when we study that, I said, I think, you know, persecution hasn't come out right yet, but culturally these Christians are, are, are viewed as less than, I think that's exactly where we're heading in the United States. That if you're a Christian, you are closed minded. That if you're a Christian, you are bigoted. If you are a mm -hmm. Christian, you are, um, you know, homophobic, xenophobic, transphobic, whatever, however you want to call it. And nothing, you, you know this, I know this, Christians know this, that's nothing further from the case. We just submit that God is the ultimate authority and we submit to his. Um, and so I would say that would be, in my eyes, the biggest, um, the biggest I think challenge. I've, I've heard a lot of different opinions on the biggest challenge and they've all been good. That one just really hits it. <laughs> that one really does hit it. Uh, <clears throat> we try to make God combine him in with the culture. 
Yeah. Uh, or I, politics. I, I tell you, it makes me yeah. think, I go back to one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis. Yes. And in his book on the Chronicles of Narnia, The Last Battle, mm -hmm. uh, they convinced the Narnians that Aslan, who is the type of Christ in, in his books, is the same as as Tash, which is would be the type of, of Satan. Mm -hmm. And so they call him Tajlin, I think. <laughs> Uh, and and I believe that's the the name they gave for him, and and they buy it. Mm -hmm. They 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 buy it that this is this is what this is. It's a combination that there yeah. there isn't there there isn't one that is exclusive, and we have to understand there is one that's exclusive, and that's what the Bible says, and that's why we're here, mm -hmm. which I say makes our calling all the more important. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to thank you, Adam, for being with me today and taking time out of your busy day. Well, I appreciate the call, Tom. Well, it's, it's been great. Great to get to know you. And uh, this does conclude another Frontline Servants program. Uh, keep listening for more programs like this one, as well as our Just Preaching and Just Music programs. And do us something for us, would you? Uh, if this program has been an encouragement to you, tap the like button and the follow buttons Share it with your friends and co-workers in Christ. Leave a comment, rate the program, and maybe even share the link on your social media site. We would certainly appreciate that. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye, and may God pour down His blessings on you like a Mississippi rain. <laughs>